from all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. A battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I say no contract, you say no code. No contract, no If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today on the program, child labor in Alabama. We've got an AFL-CIO economist to talk to us about their recent report on CEO uh, salary ratios to workers. We talk about the unemployment situation in Alabama and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show, we've got a phone number and the line is open. And I think that we we had some gremlins in the lines last week. We weren't able to uh, we had a caller and we weren't able to get it, but I think I think Ben says we've got all the gremlins out. So uh, we should be good to go today. Uh you can call or text the phone number. 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. Anytime throughout the program, uh, if you want to give us a comment, ask a question, uh, anything like that. You can also leave a voicemail throughout the week, and we might play it on the next show. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us Anywhere you find anything online, we are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you find your podcasts, and newly on TikTok. Just search for The Valley Labor Report. Uh, Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners, and we really do appreciate your support. I hate, 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 hate raising money. I hate raising money. I hate calling people asking for money. And uh, uh, it's it's just not fun. It's not fun at all. So the more people that uh, individually send us a dollar or two a month, uh, the less <laughs> the less of the less of those calls I have to make. Um, but also we very much appreciate our union sponsors. Um, very, very much uh, appreciate our union sponsors. Uh, couldn't do it without them. But if you want to become a sustaining member of the program, you can make a one-time donation, buy our new hat, or pre-order our new shirts that we've got that say, join a union or the devil or the boss will get you. Uh, It's based on the go to church or the devil will get you sign down on 65 in Montgomery. Um, We are really proud of it. Um, And you can find our hat. You can find our uh, where you can make a recurring donation or um, any or one time donation on our website. TVLR dot FM. TVLR dot FM. And if you're a member of a union, you should get your local to sponsor the show. You can reach out to me for more details on that. So uh, uh, let's just jump into the show then. Um, Last week. 
in Southern Labor is a segment that we do every week, mostly, where we tell you what happened in the labor movement in the South. We pull the information from Jonah Furman's newsletter with his permission, Who Gets the Bird?, which compiles all of the information about what's going on in the labor movement for the entire United States. So if you want to see what's going on outside the South, then you should subscribe to his newsletter at whogetsthebird.substack.com. And with that, let's jump into new organizing for the weeks of July 2nd through the 16th. There are new shops organizing with the Amazon Labor Union, including in Campbellsville, Kentucky. Very exciting about that. And outside of the Amazon Labor Union, Alex Press has a useful profile on the Garner, North Carolina union effort at an Amazon warehouse. Uh, you can also go back and listen to our interview with one of the union organizers from that plant if you would like. It's on YouTube, Facebook, and wherever you get your podcasts. 600 nurses at the Ascension Seton Medical Center in Austin, Texas are organizing with National Nurses United, which would be the biggest win in the Fort Worth region of the NLRB since 2014. 210 Starbucks workers at nine stores, including one in Lafayette, Louisiana, have formally joined the Starbucks Workers United Drive. 18 workers for Stone Products Company Old Castle in Lylesville, North Carolina, are unionizing with Teamsters Local 171. 17 workers for Maytag Aircraft at Fort Hood, Texas, are unionizing with the Machinists Union. 14 workers for Sixth Rent-A-Car in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, are unionizing with Teamsters Local six, uh, 769. Seven lab workers for Roanoke Cement Company in Troutville, Virginia, are organizing with Boilermakers Local D314. And two first student school bus mechanics in Atlanta, Georgia, are are unionizing with Teamsters Local 728. In election wins and losses in the past couple of weeks, Starbucks Workers United went 6-6 six and six over the past two weeks with 272 workers at 12 stores voting a cumulative 92-58 to 58 for the union, but none of those were in the South. Six building engineers at the Thompson Hotel in D.C. voted 5-1 to one to join Operating Engineers Local 99. Sixty guards at the National Gallery of Arts in Washington, D.C. are joining Protective Service Officers United. In updates on strikes and bargaining, Joe Biden has awoken from his slumber to stop a 120,000 worker rail strike that otherwise could have begun as soon as Monday morning. Uh, that this was basically totally expected by everyone involved and that this is not a final injunction against the strike or anything but part of the unbelievably convoluted bureaucratic process that covers rail, rail and airline union negotiations in this country. That does not make it any less true that Biden is denying over 100,000 workers their human right to withhold their labor. And we should not forget that. What happens next is Biden's presidential emergency board has 30 days to make recommendations, which will then initiate another 30-day cooling-off period for the unions and freight rail carriers to consider the recommendations, at which point, a maximum of 60 days from yesterday, as we understand it, a strike could be back on the table, though most likely won't be, uh, but 
the predictions game is, is not an easy one to win. This time around, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers formally authorized a strike, and at least some of the BMWE members rallied, but there was not a serious strike mobilization since everybody knew what Biden was going to do, if nothing else. Uh, we'll see if over the next two months the dozen other unions make formal moves, which could be an indicator of whether or not there could actually be a work stoppage. But um, And last week we spoke with Mel uh, about the railway industry and went into a little bit more detail about this contract fight and what could happen. So if you missed that, check it out from last week. And it really helps put a – she really helps put a human face on what Biden is doing, on what the rail bosses are doing by just grinding rail workers – uh, 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 to dust. I mean, it's really, really disgusting what, disgusting what the bosses are doing and what Biden is enabling them to do by stopping them from striking, by saying you can't go on strike right now. And what Biden could also do through this emergency board is more or less give the unions what they're asking for, give the workers what they're asking for. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear that all of their uh, requests could be granted, and the rail uh, operators would still be profitable. Of course. So there is still opportunity for the Biden administration to come on, come on down on the side of working class people and help these union members while also helping our supply chain. Yeah. More and more Starbucks Workers United members are going on strike, including in Atlanta and Augusta, Georgia, in the last couple of weeks. I was at the Union Augusta location a few weeks ago while I was on a trip for work, so um, that's that's pretty cool. Um, Would have been nice to have been able to walk the picket line with them, but happy for them. Over 270 workers from Military Contractor General Dynamics in Marion, Virginia, have been on strike with UAW Local 2850 for over two and a half weeks. Um, Maybe they can find a few pennies in the $839 billion defense bill that Congress just passed. Maybe. Maybe. Meanwhile, a similar number of uh, workers with Steelworkers Local 1449 at Collins Aerospace in Union, West Virginia, another military contractor, have been locked out for over two months. Janitors in Miami with SEIU Local 32BJ say they have been retaliated against for going on strike. Amazon workers walked off on Prime Day in Doraville, Georgia, with uh, the fantastic slogan, pay us or chaos, as they pushed for a $3 an hour raise. Dollar General workers with Fight for 15 went on strike for higher wages and safer working conditions in Holly Hill, South Carolina. IWW movie theater workers at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas, are pushing for recognition and walked off the job after the company fired one of their members. Transit workers in D.C. with ATU Local 689, the Amalgamated Transit Union, have authorized a strike, while St. Louis drivers apparently organized a mass sick-out with the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 788 as they try to settle, settle a contract. Uh, Unite Here, Local 23 in D.C. is still fighting for the jobs of Senate dining workers who were just hit with another round of layoffs despite congressional intervention and are now planning to start disrupting things. And they did just that last week with, uh, with a demonstration that saw some congresspeople being arrested. 
In contract ratifications, as expected, but not by a massive margin, Teamster call haulers, uh, car haulers ratified their national deal, and Red Cross Teamsters also ratified their contract by a much larger margin. The Airline Pilots Association at United Airlines voted down their most recent contract, sending the union and the company back to the negotiating table. And Treasury Department workers with the National Treasury Employees Union are fighting over the role remote work will play in the future. Negotiations are rocky between schools and Brevard Federation of Teachers in Brevard County, Florida. And then finally, in internal union politics, the United Auto Workers Convention starts next week. Next week will mostly be about resolution fights, though with the nomination threshold so low, just the support of one delegate is required to get on the ballot. It's possible that there could be some surprise candidates. The real fun begins post-convention when candidates will have about two months to campaign before voting starts, and the whole thing theoretically will be wrapped up by the end of November. The stakes are extremely high as the Big Three contract expires in September of 2023, and the United Auto Workers desperately needs to pull out of its tailspin uh, of both membership numbers and basic morale. You can read Jonah's rundown about what to expect from the convention in late. Notes. AFGE and its Council 118, the ICE Union, are parting ways with the American Federation of Government Employees filing paperwork with the Federal Labor Relations Authority last week to remove the union from its membership after the ICE Union filed a complaint with the Department of Labor. Good riddance. Absolutely. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. Maybe you should. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> let's get to some local news. This went incredibly viral last week. Um, and it's genuinely, genuinely insane news coming out of Reuters yesterday. Came out yesterday thanks to reporters Joshua Schneier, Micah Rosenberg, and Christina Cook about child labor at the Hyundai facility in Alabama. Let's go to their report. Underage workers, in some cases as young as 12, have recently worked at a metal stamping plant operated by Smart Alabama LLC. These people said Smart, listed by Hyundai in corporate filings as a majority-owned unit, supplies parts for some of the most popular cars and SUVs built by the automaker in Montgomery, its flagship U.S. assembly plant. And we aren't talking about kids working in kid-friendly environments either. You know, I mean, they, they really shouldn't be working at all or only in very limited circumstances. Kids should be learning, having fun in school, being kids. But these are, we are not talking about kid-friendly environments. We're not talking about going down, you know, to the family farm and milking a cow or, you know, just some menial tasks in a safe location. That's not what's happening at this plant. A Reuters review of the records shows that SMART has been assessed with at least $48,515 in OSHA penalties since just 2013. In less than 10 years, we're talking about about $50,000 in fines from OSHA, which $50,000 is not a lot, but when you think about how much OSHA can actually find or does actually find, uh, especially under a Republican administration, $50,000 is a lot of money from, uh, from OSHA. 
It, it, it indicates a big safety problem. And it was most recently filed just in the last year, in 2022. OSHA inspections at SMART have documented violations including crush and amputation hazards at the facility. Now, this is not more crazy or disgusting than the original article of children working at facilities with amputation hazards. But, get this. The Attorney General's office has known about this since at least February. Five months. Five months Steve Marshall has known about child labor in Alabama. And he ha- his office had no comments to give to the Reuters reporters about whether or not there would be prosecutions in the case. Can you just imagine that? Having known about literal child labor in Alabama for five months... And that is not enough time to be able to tell reporters whether or not you're going to be doing prosecutions. Quoting from the article, Reuters learned of underage workers at the Hyundai-owned supplier following the brief disappearance in February of a Guatemalan migrant child from her family's home in Alabama. The police force in Enterprise, which is about 45 miles from the plant in Laverne, doesn't have jurisdiction to investigate possible labor law violations at the factory. Instead, the force notified the state attorney general's office after the incident. James Sanders, an Enterprise police detective, told Reuters. Mike Lewis, a spokesperson at the Alabama Attorney General's office, declined to comment. It's unclear whether the office or other investigators have contacted Smart or Hyundai about possible violations. Five months! Five months! We're si- they're sitting on this story for five months! The Attorney General's office has known about this issue for five months, and the only reason we know about it is because of Reuters. The only reason we know about it is because of Reuters. Let's contrast this total and complete lack of urgency, lack of moral clarity, lack of giving a damn about Hyundai exploiting children in a plant in Alabama with amputation hazards, with his recent comments on Google. The Attorney General of the state of Alabama, the highest enforcer of the law in the state, unprompted, unprompted, nobody asked him to do this, joined a letter with other state attorneys general, who also apparently have nothing else better to do, stating that if Google does not give them the search results they want, they might sue. I mean, talk about priorities i mean good god talk about misplaced priorities what about abortion what's his urgency been like on this issue well according to parker snyder yet another columnist for coke funded flat earth military coup crypto bro boosting propaganda outlet 1819 news around 9:15 a.m. on friday June 24th, news of the court's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization overruling Roe v. Wade reached Alabama. At 10.37 a.m., Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall released a statement promising that his office was immediately 
filing motions to dissolve any injunctions against, quote, pro-life bills held up in the court system. These would have to be dissolved before pro-life measures could go into effect in Alabama. It took 82 minutes. 82 minutes. Less than two hours for him to jump into action to ensure that the law that will force children in Alabama to carry incest rape pregnancies to term to use the force of the state to impose his religious views on the bodies of others less than 82 minutes for him to jump into action to enforce that policy. Yet after five months, five months, almost half a year, They did not have a position that they could tell the press on the issue of child labor in a plant with rampant safety issues to include amputation hazards. Much less having actually done anything about this specific issue or anything proactively to ensure safe working conditions for adults and to ensure enforcement of child labor law for minors. After five months, they had nothing that they could tell the press. Nothing at all. It's just ridiculous. And 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 of course, like I just I just I do want to make clear, just so that you, the listener, don't get the idea that this is some crazy idea that 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 actually it's somebody else's jurisdiction to enforce child labor laws. Or anything else like that, that it's not in his wheelhouse. Or even that there is no precedent. There absolutely is. I want to share this from you. Terry Gerstein for the Economic Policy Institute last year put together a really good report on how district attorneys and state attorneys general are fighting for workers. And and in this case, children. She reports that state and lo- <clears throat> state and local prosecutors have been bringing charges in a range of cases, including wage theft, misclassification of workers as independent contractors, payroll fraud, failure to pay unemployment insurance taxes, workers' compensation insurance fraud, labor trafficking, egregious workplace safety and health violations, workplace sexual assault, witness tampering, and retaliation. And we aren't just seeing these cases in a handful of places either. We're seeing them in California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Montana, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Texas, Virginia, Washington. This isn't just out there, kooky liberal stuff enforcing the law, (laughs) enforcing laws that protect workers. And some jurisdictions are even going a step further in creating separate departments solely for worker protections, like San Diego DA Summer Stefan in 2021, like Queens DA Melinda Katz, like San Francisco DA Chesa Boudin in 2020, like Philadelphia DA Larry Krasner in 2019. Yet here in Alabama, a literal... (laughs) A literal child labor case can sit in the attorney general's office for five months 
and nobody know about it and nothing be done about it. It's insane. It is. And like you said, it, it's a reflection of the priorities that we have uh, from the attorney general's office. And I think it really speaks to Alabama's issues in terms of law enforcement on behalf of working class people uh, and on behalf of children. We have child labor laws for a reason. We have minimum wage laws and overtime laws for a reason. Right. Uh, but those laws are only as good as they are enforced. And it's very clear that the state of Alabama has no interest in enforcing any laws that might actually help ordinary working people. Now, as you said, like they will rush to go uh, get their name in the press, to go get their name on Fox News, to jump into the latest controversy. It took, what, less than 90 minutes to get involved in the abortion issue as soon as the Supreme Court made their decision. But you can't do anything about children literally risking their life and limb <laughs> right in your backyard. I mean, this is this is in the Montgomery area. Yeah, it's not even the other part of the state here. He could he could probably walk to the place. Right. It would be a little bit of a trek. But apparently he doesn't have anything else better to do because he's getting ready to sue Google because it's not giving him the search results he wants. Right. So he's got the time clearly. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got so there was just so many issues that came up when you read this article from Reuters. And I, if you haven't read it yet, I just can't recommend it enough. Uh, but it speaks to the issues with our attorney general, as you just laid out. It speaks to the lack of law enforcement when it comes to labor law. Uh, and, and our labor law, as we've discussed frequently on this show, is not sufficient. It is not uh, good enough for working class people in this country. But even what we do have is insufficiently enforced. It speaks to the role of temp agencies in in these sort of settings, uh, because, of course, Hyundai is going to push the blame off to the temporary staffing agency that they claim they were using here uh, that that brought these workers, these children in as workers. And anyone who's familiar with the auto industry or the auto parts supply chain industry knows that these temp staff agencies are a huge presence. Uh, and folks are, mm. are often kind of told about, oh, we've got a new Toyota plant. We've got a new Hyundai plant. There's all these good jobs that are coming. Right. Uh, and, and then, lo and behold, many of those people are actually funneled through staffing agencies where the work is temporary, it's precarious, it doesn't get the same amount of pay or benefits that the full-time folks are getting. Uh, and the use of these staffing agencies presents a major problem when it comes to situations like this, where you don't, where an employer isn't even verifying who the hell they're employing. Right. In the Reuters report, and, and Adam, we got a comment that says your audio is very quiet, but they can hear me, so okay. maybe work on that. But, but the um, in in the Reuters report, the um, <laughs> they talk about how uh, they asked Hyundai for a comment and Hyundai said something to the effect of oh you know we follow the law blah 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 and and basically we expect our contractors to also follow the law and that and it shows exactly you know when you're when you've got a 12-year-old girl working in your facility you know 
that's not something that you can just say like, oh, well, I didn't know. I expected my contract. Like, you can just literally look and see. You can Somebody just, knew. Yes. Somebody, somebody knew. And in the in report, management. and in the report, they talked to several workers who said they worked with dozens of miners in this facility. So this is clearly, this was clearly an issue. This was clearly an issue that these Reuters investigators, who are not paid by the state of Alabama, were able to find out. And yet, the Alabama Attorney General has known about this for five months. And nothing, nothing. We're not seeing anything about arrests of the bosses at this plant. We're not seeing anything about fines. We're not seeing anything about civil penalties. Nothing. Nothing at all from politicians in Montgomery about this. And of course, the second that workers try to come together and fix it themselves, politicians in Montgomery either would be absent or actively opposed to their organization. Yeah, and one last thing I wanted to say on this is is like this is just another example of why it's so important that we have solidarity with our migrant brothers and sisters. Uh, because we see where immigrants are hyper-exploited and where employers use their precarious situations, their lack of legal status in some cases, their poverty status, their refugee status. Uh, employers prey upon folks who are fleeing often terrible situations in their home countries and, and risking their lives to come over here to the United States just to try to make a better life for themselves. Right. And I know that there are those in the right-wing media who would love to divide and conquer working-class people and, and love to have native-born Americans you know, pitted against migrants. But the way forward is through solidarity and recognizing that it doesn't do us any good as American workers to have other workers who are preyed upon because of their immigration status. At the end of the day, we're all in this together. We're all trying to sell our labor in order to survive. And we're all facing exploitation and oppression. So I think I, I just wanted to emphasize that uh, before we move on from this story is that it's very, very important that we not allow ourselves to be divided uh, by immigration. Right. The employers <clears throat> love to bring people over that they can exploit and that they can use the threat of ICE and deportation against, uh, that they can silence. And the, the key, the, the, the task for us in the labor movement is to organize, mm -hmm. is to organize these workers, to bring them into our movement uh, and, and join together in solidarity. Right. Yeah, these employers, they, they don't want open borders. They want, they want borders just open enough that people can come in, but not so open that they have rights. 
Right. They absolutely. want people to be able to come in without rights that they can uh, that they can exploit, um, and that if they get too uppity, they can call ICE um, and to deport be, their entire to, family. Yeah, and deport their entire family and, and be thugs for the boss, which Our, is which is basically, uh, especially under the Trump administration, what ICE was more or less reduced to thugs absolutely. for the boss. Yeah, and even for more white collar workers, you know, when you're talking about visas. Right, employer totally dependent. Visas. Yeah, totally dependent on the employer. Um, so the you know the immigration system is is not set up to be beneficial for the immigrants themselves or for you know American workers either. Right. Yeah, it definitely doesn't it is, help it's us for the benefit of bosses. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, uh, really, really, really disgusting story. Out of Alabama, um, out of Montgomery. Yet again, and, um, the state of Alabama making national news for a disgrace. Yeah. We deserve better leaders in this state. Yeah. Uh, a few people in the chat. Jeb says, rather than direct hiring, these suppliers also use third-party staffing agencies, uh, often classified as independent contractors, just to skirt labor laws and keep themselves off the radar. Right That's on. exactly what right happened on. here. And, and, and when <clears> something <throat> bad happens like this, when they get they caught, the they, they can pass the buck. Yeah. Blame it on a staffing agency instead of taking accountability for their own actions. Yeah, and these aren't hap- this this thing isn't happening at union plants. Uh, Strom says, "I'm honestly not that surprised. Southern automobile parts suppliers are nightmares. Uh, yeah. Look at how BMW contracts hiring out to MAU in South Carolina, um, people working as quote temps for several years." Mm-hmm. Strom also says the Nissan plant in Canton, Mississippi, has some crazy stuff like that going on too. Um, yeah. Just really disgusting stuff. So uh, we're going to go ahead and go to a break, though. And when we come back, we will be on the uh, we, we will have on the line Brandon Reese, economist from the AFL CIO, talking about their recent pay watch report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. We will be right back. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. IBW558 is like a great football team. You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. Energy Alabama is a locally operated and membership-based nonprofit organization focused on advancing Alabama's clean energy future through education and advocacy. Many people in charge of infrastructure and building decisions simply don't know about how viable clean and renewable energy is. To that end, Energy Alabama has provided instruction to more than thousands of adults and tens of thousands of K-12 students across the state. We're working hard to build careers in clean energy and help everyday Alabamians save money on their utility bills. Learn more about our work and how you can join us at energyalabama.org. 
Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. It's that time of year again, Christmas in July. Monday, July 25th at 305 8th Street. Christmas in December is when we receive the gifts that we wish for. Christmas in July at 305 is a time to address residents' needs. Clothing, socks, underwear, bedding, and more. <laughs> or maybe just a treat or two thrown in for fun. To add to the fun, individually wrap each item. A needs list for each resident will be provided. Email CYDNEY at 305 8 Call 256-777-9642. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth, all wealth should go to labor, and you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, and my co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, give us a call. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. We've got a new sponsor this week, um, and I didn't have time to pre-tape the uh, to pre-tape the ad, so I'm just going to go ahead and and, um, and and give that to you here. So, uh, are you looking for a better future, a career that can set you up for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? Then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. IUPAT. The work of IUPAT is all around us from the industrial painters who work on bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glaziers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. Uh, with an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. Including a pension. You're not going to get that with a non-union contractor. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right. No student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. 
and you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. That is Adam Booth at 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us and join IUPAT today. Really excited uh, having them on the show. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks to our painters. We love you. Yep. And we appreciate you. And we appreciate everybody's support that helps make this show a possibility. So every year, the AFL-CIO, the largest federation of unions in North America, does a report on executive and worker pay. This year, we've got their economist, Brandon Reese, on to talk to us about it. Brandon, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I appreciate it. Hey, Jacob. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to speak with you today. Um, and on behalf of the AFLC, I want to express our solidarity uh, with our brothers and sisters, uh, both at Warrior Met Coal, who've been on strike uh, for over a year now against corporate greed, and, and also at Amazon and Bessemer, who've been fighting to form a union. Uh, your struggle for economic fairness is our struggle. Absolutely. And that is, that's the spirit with which the, uh, the AFL-CIO is formed, uh, unions coming together across trades, across regions, across crafts um, to, to support each other. And, and so we appreciate that. And I know that they do uh, as well. So uh, the Paywatch report, talk to us about what y'all are trying to do with this, uh, w- with this report that y'all do every year. Yeah. So our executive Paywatch uh, website, which is available at paywatch.org that's www.paywatch.org uh tracks uh ceo pay uh and the ratio of ceo to employee pay at public companies we've got uh almost all russell 3000 companies uh available on our website and last year in 2021 ceos of s p 500 companies received on average $18.3 million in total compensation. That was an 18.2% increase over the previous year. And as a result, the average pay ratio increased from 324 to one in 2021, uh, up from 299 the previous year. Uh, Since the pandemic uh, started in, in, uh, in 2020, uh, CEO pay and pay the pay ratio between CEO and median worker pays increased twenty three percent. That's wild. That is really wild. And and all of this talk about wages driving inflation, while wages for working people is not even meeting in- inflation, much less exceeding it, which you would presume it would have to at least meet inflation to be driving it. While executive pay is tripling inflation almost tripling at least doubling inflation that's that's insane. right that, that that's what we mean when we talk about uh greedflation runaway ceo pay is a symptom of greedflation when companies increase prices to to boost corporate profits so the, the economic policy institute has calculated that corporate profits account for half of all recent price increases and what does that mean for workers well so uh, with every uh price increase in the cost of rent, food, gasoline, uh, is that we experience as a pay cut. Uh, so while CEO pay and corporate profits increased more than twice as fast as the rate of inflation uh, in 2021 at 7%, uh, 
nominal worker wages only rose 4.7%. So after inflation, real wages actually fell 2.4%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that's why you have this growing gulf in inequality and an increase uh, between CEO and median worker pay up to 324 to 1 last year. And that was the average of uh, the uh, uh, from the reports, 324 to 1. That's right. That's the average for, for S&P 500 companies. And uh, the company with the, the S&P 500 company with the highest pay ratio, ratio no surprise, was Amazon, where its CEO, Andrew Jassy, received an astounding $212 million in total compensation in 2021. That's up nearly 500% compared to the previous year. So Amazon's median employee received less than $33,000 last year, giving Amazon the highest pay ratio in the S&P 500 of 6,474 to one. Wow. That's pretty yeah, mind blowing. Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine. A lifetime, a lifetime, many lifetimes of work and just of pay in just one year. It, I mean, it would take an Amazon. I mean, the, the, just the the simple translation of that is that it would take an Amazon employee six thousand four hundred years to make what Andrew Jassy did in one year. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know what? Our our concern is that uh, CEOs have been raking in compensation, windfall compensation amounts, uh, in part because of the inflationary economy. They've been increasing prices, uh, and and uh, and and to increase profits, uh, which is uh, uh, hurting working people's pocketbooks. And it's CEOs, not working people, who are causing inflation. Uh, CEO pay increased at more than twice the rate of inflation, whereas worker wages actually fell last year, meaning that CEO pay is contributing to inflation. Workers, workers wages are holding back inflation. So if we're going to fix our economy and restore balance, uh, we need to uh, find real solutions, real solutions to tackle inflation by going after corporate price gouging, by fixing supply chain disruptions, ending the pandemic and helping working working people cope with rising prices by raising wages. How is it, you think, that the corporate media, that people on talk radio, that they are being so successful in driving the narrative that inflation is high because working people had it too good? Because that's, that's that's basically the gist of it, right? Is that working people, their raises have been too high. We got too much money from uh, during the pandemic in stimulus checks and unemployment while we were trying to survive, and that this is the and and the the narrative from it seems MSNBC to Fox News and Newsmax is that. That is the reason for inflation, that working people simply had it too good, and, uh, and we've got to rein some of that back in. We've got to bring working people down a peg in order to, to address in- inflation. How is it that, that this narrative has so much legs when working people, like, we know that we haven't had it too good. We've seen our wages decrease as it relates to the cost of living. We have not seen 
enormous in- improvements to our quality of life. We didn't get 500% increases. Like right. Some people. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, for the past year, we've heard corporate CEOs and Wall Street elites complain that uh, they're having difficulty filling, uh, filling low-wage jobs. Uh, but the problem with our economy is not that too many people have jobs. The problem with our economy is economic inequality. Uh, and uh, runaway CEO pay is a symptom of a system that's out of balance uh, in which corporate profits have been off the chart. Last year, corporate profits were up 17% for the S&P 500. That is uh, a record increase. Uh, and so if we're going to solve inflation, the solution is not to cause a recession that's going to put working people out of their jobs. The solution is a workers first agenda. And that's what we're calling on uh, to provide real solutions uh, to help working people cope with with rising prices, reducing the the cost of prescription drug prices, uh, investing in child care, investing in education, uh, real solutions. Uh, that can help create a broad-based prosperity, uh, and not an economic recession, which is just going to magnify economic inequality by hurting working people and putting us out of our jobs. So that's what I think we, as a labor movement, need to be doing, pointing the blame for price rises on corporate uh, price gouging and the CEOs who benefit from that. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you say pointing the blame, it's not pointing the blame in a, in a, um, uh, a made up sense. It's accurately describing what is happening. The, the, the proposition that, that, that you say, uh, you know, the, the position that the labor movement needs to have is to accurately describe the real world where 50% of the increases in prices that we're seeing in retail goods is going to, to profit. That means fifty percent of that is going to, you know, supply chain issues. Um, you know, perhaps some of it is going to increased wages. Um, some of it is, you know, the the fifty percent of it can be explained by you know legitimate things that's going on in the economy, which most of it is, as I understand it, is the supply chain. It's not. It's not that workers have had it too good. Even this fifty percent that is legitimately explained, it's that there, there are huge supply chain issues that are caused by the just-in-time production and shipping uh, model that we have got in this country and across the world uh, that does not allow for any type of buffer at all. Uh, but then the other fifty percent of it is just going into rich people's pockets, and and so you know. To, a, to, to create the solution, we've got to properly understand what the problem is. And, and I think that that's important. And, and uh, the um, so. And I think that's the value in a report like this mm-hmm. uh, because it, it can actually lay it all out there for you with the facts and figures, with the numbers, to see what's really going on here. And I think it's worth remembering when we talk about inflation, who actually raises prices? We don't. Right. We don't have control over that. The three of us don't get to press a button that makes prices go up. Uh, Well, and and you know who pushes that button? CEOs. They're the ones who set (laughs) prices, and their compensation is incentivizing short-term decisions. They want to maximize profits over the short term rather than expanding production, creating new jobs, innovating uh, to satisfy customer demand. They're taking advantage of today's inflationary economy to boost prices and gouge consumers. Let me give you an, uh, an example from Alabama about that. At Warrior Met Coal last year, uh, the CEO received 
$5.7 million in total compensation. That's more than a 30% increase uh, in his pay compared to the previous year. What happened to Warrior Met Coal's production? It fell off a cliff because the company would not settle a strike by its unionized members and members of the United Mine Workers of America. Uh, meanwhile, median worker pay at the company fell 70% because of that strike that that mm -hmm. management would not settle. Uh, that increased Warrior Met's CEO to worker pay ratio from 42 to one in 2020 to 182 to one in mm -hmm. 2021. He got a he got a pay increase. Production fell. Workers were were uh, were out of work, uh, and production it you know fell, which actually increased inflation and provided less product for the company's customers. So right. what's going on here? Our economy is is out of balance. It's not working, uh, and we need to. Uh, the the solution is not to cause a recession. The solution is not for higher interest rates that uh, that mm -hmm. Wall Street uh, elites are calling for. It's it's to invest in the real economy, to fix supply chains, to invest in clean energy. Uh, and so that's why we're calling for a workers first agenda to build a better America. And to join us, you can visit our website, www.paywatch.org, to sign up and uh, and learn more about runaway CEO pay. Brandon, I think that was a great place to end it. Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to share from the report? I would just add that um, the the ratio of CEO to worker pay is is uh, critical because it indicates whether the CEO is taking the lion's share of pay or whether mm -hmm. it's spread out in a egalitarian uh, a, approach across the entire company's workforce. Uh, and we have to remember, companies are... Uh, is, a, is a collaboration between labor and capital. We're producing products, uh, and to, to be successful, companies need to be investing in their workforce. And when you have a runaway CEO pay uh, in a high pay ratio, it indicates that companies are not investing in their workers, they're investing in the CEO. Uh, right. And that's a recipe for for disaster, which, which we need to avoid. So. Uh, I really appreciate your attention to uh, to runaway CEO pay and and uh, and the greedflation economy that we're struggling with, and, and uh, look forward to hearing the rest of your show. Brandon Reese is an economist with the AFL-CIO. You can read more of their PayWatch report at www.paywatch.org. Brandon, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Adam. It looks like we've got a caller. What is the area code that they're calling from? All right, give me just a sec here. And we have a caller from 267. 267. All right, let's so give bring, me, let's see if I can uh, bring on our caller at 267. Yeah, and while we are, uh, while you're trying to bring out, uh, bring that caller out, uh, we got a few comments from uh, the last section. Uh, Penelope in, on, in the YouTube chat says, at my company, the CEO annual compensation is 650 times that of the median employee salary. Strom says, stimulus checks, federal unemployment subsidies, how about those damned PPP loans? That's oh, exactly yes. right. Yeah. I, in fact, we ought to do a segment on that. We really um, should. And Joe Rogan, uh, who, was, who was talking about how people got lazy over the pandemic, he took something like, he took 
an extraordinary amount of PPP loans. The number that I've got in my head is two million, but you might want to fact check that. It might have been two hundred thousand, but two million is what sticks out. But it was a lot. There was a lot of grifting, <laughs> a lot of grifting in the PPP loans. Uh, D. Alessandro says 640 times 6,400 times a poverty wage of $33,000. How much more can workers take? Um, yeah, it, it's it, – uh, and he also says workers' first agenda after 150 years of capitalism. That seems like a truly forlorn, forlorn hope. Indeed. Ron says, but doesn't the Amazon CEO work 6,000 times as hard? Please be fair to the exploited CEOs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we do. We want to be fair and balanced here on the Valley Labor Report, and we want to make sure that um, yeah, we are fair I mean, to the exploited Obviously, CEOs. he worked 500% harder than he did the year the before. The year before, right, obviously. Yeah. Charles Ghost uh, – oh, no, 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 that wasn't uh, related. Uh, Ron also says, no one would do the strenuous work of CEOing unless they got paid 6,000 times as much. Uh, and Strom says to Ron, they don't even have time to eat or sleep. Uh, they are working thousands of hours out of every 168-hour week. Yeah. That's exactly there right. <laughs> so have we got the caller on the line now? Uh, I believe so. All right. Uh, so caller from a 267 area code, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, caller, 267 area code, what's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Infinite Content from Philly. This is uh, who from Philly? Infinite Content. Infinite content from Philly. What you got? Okay, so we know that the uh, Starbucks workers are unionizing all across the nation. And they set up down in Center City um, a Scabby the Rat um, uh, blow up. And you know, Scabby is all about, uh, about uh, workers. Like uh, companies trying to use scab work mm-hmm. for unions. Mm-hmm. I do. I I am so happy that these workers, even though that Starbucks is a uh, temporary uh, work work thing for most people, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that these these younger people are getting the mind state of unionizing because when they move to uh, uh, their next bigger and better places, they're going to have this ingrained in their heads. Absolutely. And we talked to um, we talked to the Scottsboro workers last week uh, and one of them was 16 years old and she was like, you know, I don't anticipate making this a career, uh, but my generation is just beginning to get into the workforce. And, you know, uh, I want to be fighting um, so that when we do get into the workforce, it's a better world than it is now, that the jobs are better than they are now. Uh, and, you know, the only way to do that is exactly what these Starbucks workers are doing, uh, exactly what Trader Joe's workers are doing, Chipotle workers are doing. And it was at, was it, there was, there was some, there was some place that the nationwide workers are getting like a $10 an hour raise after one location unionized. And I cannot remember the company. I thought that was Trader Joe's. Was it Trader Joe's that got a $10 an hour raise? Maybe that was it. Now, I'm not certain of that place. That's escaping me. But what Howard Schultz is setting himself up for is uh, not just just, um, the Labor Department to come drop the hammer on him for one thing, but he's for his union busting, but also he's like, well, I'll give, 
I'll give uh, special, I'll give benefits to people who are non-unionized. Mm-hmm. I won't give them to the unionized people. I'm like, oh, so you want to set up a whole um, class action lawsuit for you for um, discrimination, right? Um, and uh, benefit issues. Am I wrong or am I uh, just? No, I, I think you're. I, exactly yeah, you're right definitely there. on the. You're you're definitely on the right track, I think. And infinite, infinite content will uh, will answer your question, um, and, and we'll go ahead and let you go. We appreciate your call. All right, have a good one. Yep, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thanks for the call. And 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 yes, I don't know that class action lawsuit is going to be the way that it goes, but uh, they are definitely, definitely setting NLRB. The, yes, definitely. There's there there are going to be lots of complaints and hopefully lots of action from the NLRB while it is still under the stewardship of Jennifer Abruzzo. They have already been hit with over 200 violations of labor law in Western New York alone, and uh, so and 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 they continue to break the law. They continue to have total disrespect for their workers, and uh, they're they're definitely setting themselves up for some legal action at least through the NLRB but unfortunately with the you know uh reactionary activist supreme court that we've got right now um who knows what is going to be the ultimate ultimate fallout from that as far as the legal side goes right. so we can't we, rely on the courts we it's can't rely on people power exactly we can't rely on the courts the way to actually rein in their power is exactly what the starbucks workers are doing right now which is organizing store after store after store until every single starbucks in the country is union and until you can't get a cup of coffee from a starbucks Without it being from a union barista, that is how uh, that is how workers at Starbucks are going to be able to rein the CEO in, and that is how workers at every company in the world, uh, in the country, and in the world are uh, going to be able to make a better world world for themselves, their families, and their communities. Is organizing for themselves. Uh, certainly, there are paths that we can take in the legal system, but that's not going to be. Um, but we can't rely on that. Certainly. Right. And and one thing I wanted to say, I, I understand uh, the caller's point about Starbucks being t- typically, you know, a temporary kind of job, um, often for younger folks. But someone has to make the coffee. Right. Right. Someone has to stock the shelves at the grocery store. Someone has to do these jobs. And why can't they be careers? Um there's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's just as much value in that as there are any of the other fo- uh, jobs out there that people, you know, perceive as as more, you know, lifetime careers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, I think what they're doing is trying to make Starbucks a better place to work, whether that's just for a couple years while you're, you know, in college or while you know while you're working through school or whatever the situation may be, right. maybe. Maybe. Maybe it can be a career. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you with uh, just cause protections, with retirement benefits, with a solid union contract, Starbucks can be a place where you, you right. s- work for many years. And, and, and frankly, that benefits Starbucks to have mm-hmm. a seasoned workforce that is very experienced, that, you know, gets better and better at their job. We've they, seen that. We saw it benefit UPS during the pandemic, actually, while FedEx and all these other delivery companies were struggling to keep themselves staffed. UPS was able to, because of their union contract, because they uh, paid people 
more and and they actually have benefits and everything they did not have as much of a problem staffing and and they saw their profits increase uh, because they were able to continue making deliveries on time where FedEx and other places floundered Um, and I did just want to go back and say that it was Trader Joe's Adam from more perfect union they report facing a wave of unionization Trader Joe's announced this week it is raising pay by $10 an hour on Sundays including and increasing Increasing sick time and bumping pay rates at stores nationwide. Workers in Hadley, Massachusetts will vote on becoming the first unionized Trader Joe's in the country next week. And we've talked about that a lot and how unions and union organizing actually raises wages and benefits for non-union workers because uh, sometimes just the threat alone is enough to get companies to start moving and and actually uh, coming coming off some money. So way to go. Trader Joe's workers, really, I think you're making a difference already, uh, and you're getting the goods. Yep, exactly. Uh, Folks, we're going to go to a break, and we will be right back. We're going to talk some about uh, the unemployment situation in Alabama and the culture war, so don't change the channel. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report. Energy Alabama supports consumers and is a leader in advocating for them. We have been able to successfully fight off utility rate increases in the state, reduce fees for electric vehicles, increase electric vehicle infrastructure spending, and secured a $100 million refund by Alabama Power after the utility overcharged customers for fuel. To learn more about our work advocating for customers and join the fight, go to energyalabama.org. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW558. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30, and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW558.org. North Alabama DSA is looking for folks to work for a better North Alabama. They prioritize mutual aid, municipal activism, and union solidarity. Contact them on social media or dsanorthalabama at gmail for more information. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. Support for this program also comes from the Iron Workers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, 
and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. Only Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report, radio that talks back to the boss. My name is Jacob Morrison, and my co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or text us at our phone number, 844-899-TVLR. Send us a text. Send us a text. We yeah. like that. And we'll uh, we'll read it. Um, Tell us your bad ball stories. Tell us about some of the uh, mm-hmm. bizarre things that your HR department does. Yeah. We we enjoy those. I was um, and and that line, by the way, came from uh, the Heartland Labor Forum radio that talks back to the boss. I love KKFI. That. Yeah, I liked that a lot, so I figured I would use it. Um, I listened to their recent interview with Max Alvarez about his book. You can check that out at. KKFI.org. Um, Are they out in Iowa? Is, is that right? Kansas. I oh, think. Kansas. That's right. Isn't yeah. it Kansas? Yeah. We, we I think it's Kansas. Got a chance to, to hear from them uh, at the Labor Nose Conference mm-hmm. and really impressed with the work they do. Yes. Judy Ansel's great. She's been doing the Heartland Labor Forum for like 20 or 30 years. It's really, really cool. Um, and uh, But yeah, speaking about HR, I was at a party the other day and I um, – I, I ran into this person that worked at HR. Did, have I told this story on the radio? I, I don't know if I have or not. But I ran into this person that wor- that that you know works in HR, and we were, you know, we we were uh, you know drinking and talking, and she's uh, and she asked me what I do, and I, I told her you know my job, and that I'm I'm a union activist, I'm a union steward, and she was like, oh, I work in HR or something, <laughs> something about like you wouldn't you wouldn't like what I do. It took her a while before she actually told me that she worked in HR. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, that's that's terrible. And she was like, yeah, um, you know, she went through. She apparently she wanted to go into HR because she actually like wanted to help people, you know, and she went through Imagine college, that. you know, 
being indoctrinated this whole time talking about, you know, all of her professors and all of these people are telling her like, oh, yeah. Um, you're going to be able to help so many people being in HR. You're going to be able to be a workers' advocate and, you know, all this stuff. A resource for humans. Maybe. Yes, a resource yeah. <laughs> for humans that work at, at your company. Um, but she said the reality of it is that all I ever do is give people termination notices, tell them that they can't have their raises, and deliver bad news that they're not going to have health care anymore and stuff like that. And she was like, I really hate it, and it's really depressing, and, I, um, <laughs> and, and I've been in and out of the industry because it's so – like she, she, she said it, it's apparently just so – um, mentally taxing for her to have and to soul crushing and soul and legitimately soul crushing. She said for years she worked as a bartender because of how bad her job made her feel like as a person. Um, and then this this company now that she works for like apparently offered her so much money that she was able to get over that. But um, <laughs> it, it's like you know it's really really it is really sad. Um, the things that HR does to people. Uh, so, you know, people that work in HR, if you do actually want to be a resource for humans, you should work for a union. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Leave the dark side of management. Come on over to the light. Yeah. Uh, Infinite Content says in the YouTube chat, sorry for the choppy call. Uh, I have so many thoughts in my head. I have collision, collisions in the mental train. And uh, absolutely not. It was a great... It was a great uh, a great call. I appreciate you calling all the way from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Maybe you can talk to us about Fetterman sometime. Yeah, and uh, um, next time, definitely snap a pic of Scabby the Rat for us. Yes. Um, uh, I've never got to see... I don't think I've ever seen Scabby the Rat in person. I've never seen Scabby the Rat in the wild, no. So that's unfortunate. That would be great. Um, William Pena says, During the pandemic, it was a freaking mess at UPS. Worse than peak season. We had packages piled high inside. Never seen anything like that. That's happening right now at the Postal Service. I was talking to one of their stewards here with a letter car- uh, one of the letter carriers' postal steward- uh, stewards here in Huntsville. He said it's a mess. It is a mess here in Huntsville. Oh, yeah. That they have, get this, hundreds of grievances. <laughs> in Huntsville, at the Huntsville location. The Madison Post Office is crazy. We're going to talk to them about that sometime. Well, and it's been years in the works, yeah. obviously, coming all the way from D.C., all the way yeah, down. From the I joy. Mean, uh, the fact that they shut down um, the facility up here so that mail, all the mail in North Alabama has to go down to Birmingham and then back fret. up. You know, if I, if I send you a letter from Athens to Decatur, it's yeah. got to go to Birmingham. Uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah. This is what happens when folks uh, sabotage a public sector industry. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. He goes on to say the company was using personal vehicle drivers to clean up the mess. Uh, Non-union people. (laughs) That's going to end. There we go. Uh, Really excited. I've been talking to the Teamsters here uh, locally, and we're going to be getting them on the program to talk talk some about the upcoming contract negotiations in 2023 with UPS. So um, that's going to be really fun. Let's go go back to Alabama. Let's talk about this unemployment thing. AL.com has some good reporting on the issue of unemployment in the state. And, you know, we all know that during 2020, unemployment skyrocketed for a short time, meaning more people than ever were getting unemployment benefits. Um, And actually, if we'll recall, there was a lot of issues about people getting their unemployment at the time. And some Republican lawmakers tried to make this big anti-government, anti-bureaucrat 
deal about it, right? Even though, I mean, this has happened under their watch, under right. their funding choices, under their personnel choices. But, you know, all that aside. And I, and I remembered this because it was so uh, – I remembered covering this over two years ago now because it was so frustrating seeing these lawmakers try to place the blame on – a world historic on on responding to a world historic uh, health event on just regular ass government workers, and so uh, let's take a listen. Let's do a little throwback and take a listen to what we were saying on this program two years ago as they were trying to kick up a stink about unemployment. There was about half a dozen Alabama lawmakers uh, from the state house that decided to go on a, an unprompted um, fact-finding mission, is what they called it. And they stormed the Alabama Department of Labor. And, you know, ostensibly they were, like, concerned about their um, constituents that were not receiving their unemployment benefits that they were supposed to be getting. And so they wanted to go in here and see what's happening in this government bureaucracy, all these lazy public employees not working for Alabamians. That's what they wanted to go in and find. It's what, of course, that's what they wanted to go in and find. They hate, they hate public institutions and the, and they want, you know, they want more than anything to, to be able to tear them down. But anyway, what they found was a building full of dedicated public servants getting more work done faster than at any time in the history of the agency with a third of the staff that it had 10 years ago. A third of the staff, they have done, they have, uh, they have sent out more payments in the last two months, the Alabama Department of Labor, the, the, the good public servants down at the Alabama Department of Labor have sent out more, uh, payments for unemployment claims in the last two months with 80 employees than they have in the last several years. And this is with a third of the staff that it had in 2010. In 2010, it had 240 employees. Now they have 80. They're doing more work than they ever have in the history of, a, of the agency, faster with a third of the staff. So that's what was happening back then. That's what was happening back then, and, and, and we don't need to lose sight of that. Um, and, and of course, back then, there were people that were going, I was, uh, you know, I was one of those people that, I had people in my life that had to get on unemployment, and it was a it was a laborious process, and it took a long time uh, to be able to get in touch with anybody, and it was very frustrating. But whose fault is that? It's not the people that work at the DOL. It's not their fault. Um, and 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 so obviously there were problems, uh, but but we need to understand where the problems are coming from. And instead of shoring up the Department of Labor then with necessary resources and staffing, they have continued to allow it to languish. Listen to this from AL.com's recent article. Quote, Alabama saw a whopping 580% increase in claims between May of 2019 and May of 2020. The department stated in a filing in a lawsuit, Alabama received 1.4 million 
unemployment claims since April of 2020, and 1.1 were COVID-related. 1.1 million were COVID-related, according to the Department of Labor. Yet, two years later, as of April 2022, over 12,000 appeals still have not been heard. And wait times in Alabama were longer than anywhere else in the country in 2021, according to the Century Foundation's analysis of federal data from August of last year. In yet, Alabama, a, yet another list where we're at the bottom. Yeah, yet another list. And, and think about this, 1.1 million unemployment claims being done by 80 people, by people that you could fit in like two classrooms. 1.4 million. 80 people. In Alabama, the average appeal case was pending 566 days at the Department of Labor, nearly twice as long as the second most delayed uh, state, Georgia, where appeals were pending 367 days on average. In Kansas, cases pended an average of just 15 days, and in Utah, just 19 days. And they do a good job of underscoring the human tolls that these debts are having on people. Here are a couple of examples. Quote from the article, For Martin, it only got worse when the state sent her a bill in the spring of 2021 saying she needed to pay back $15,000. She took a job. She took a second job at a grocery store that pays $10 an hour. The law firm she works for full-time only pays $9 an hour. She works more than 60-hour weeks and spends her evenings at the grocery store standing on a prosthetic leg. Edward Terry, 51, drove for Uber in Birmingham when Alabama shut down in 2020. His customer base disappeared from the streets and he filed for unemployment. Last year, Terry got a letter from the state saying he owes them $7,299 of those benefits. He sent an appeal and said he hasn't heard from anyone. And to add to this frustration, all of this is totally unnecessary. It's totally Totally gratuitous suffering being inflicted on the working people of Alabama. In 2021, the Federal Department of Labor gave states permission to completely waive overpayment debts for people who got unemployment during the pandemic. Some states, like Massachusetts, Florida, and New Jersey, are recognizing the burden of thousands of dollars in surprise debt following the economic disruptions of a global pandemic and are forgiving the overpayments. Alabama is not offering blanket forgiveness. So not only are the debts having a toll, not only are they unnecessary, and not only are some of them done in error, and not only can it take years to get an error resolved, but in the meantime, you might still get your wages garnished. Going back to the article, Alabama is also behind other states on hearing most appeals. So when an error does occur, it is often not resolved, but people are still left with thousands of dollars in debts and threats from the department that their wages may be garnished or their tax returns seized if they do not pay. Truly wild. Truly wild when we could just we could just not do this. We could literally just not do this. We could not inflict gratuitous suffering on working people of Alabama. And yet, and yet, our leaders in Montgomery 
are choosing to, to shake people down, to shake this woman down who works two jobs more than 60 hours a week, both of them under $15 an hour, standing on a prosthetic leg, choosing to try to shake her down for $15,000. Why? Why would we do this? It's a lot different than the accountability for those PPP loans. It's insane. Yeah, so this this segment has really motivated me that we we have to do a segment on that, I think, now, because... Uh, the contrast just couldn't be more clear. You had these companies, and in some cases, it's kind of a stretch to call them companies, uh, that received lots of federal money with very little strings attached, very little accountability. Uh, and the way they've been treated and the way they were allowed to use this money, very, very different from the way these poor folks have, have been treated by the unemployment system. Of course. Of course, because that's how the system is. The system is not made for working people. Uh, the system is made for um, for bosses, for rich people. And that's exactly, I mean, that goes exactly back to what we were talking about. Attorney General Steve Marshall <laughs> sitting on a child labor case for five months. Dozens of instances of violations of this law. With obvious knowledge of Hyundai, its subsidiary, and the independent contractor. And the, the third party, the, 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 the temp agency or whatever. Obvious, obvious violations of child labor laws in the state of Alabama. But we're not going to be enforcing that. Instead, instead of going after Hyundai, instead of going after foreign millionaires, instead of going after people who are taking advantage of children... In the state of Alabama, what are we doing? We're going after working people who are working 60 hours a week at multiple jobs for less than $15 an hour for $15,000. It's just absolutely disgusting. Just disgusting. I mean, there's just no, there's no sense in it. There really is no sense in it. Um, but that's going to be – we had one more segment that we were going to do, but I think we'll probably save that for next week since we are running short on time. So we will go ahead, and that's going to be a wrap for it on the radio for us. Uh, but you can find us – if you're listening to us on the radio, you want to hear more – we go for an extra hour and a half. We do the whole program again, basically, but with different stuff. But the time – we do basically a second half of the show. It's online only. Online only. You can find us on YouTube or Facebook at The Valley Labor Report and uh, and listen to the rest of the show. Or you could uh, listen to somebody else say the exact same thing that you hear on the radio the rest of the week. <laughs> 
Uh, so let's go ahead and do a couple of plugs before we get off the radio. Uh, first, if you missed our coverage of the Labor Notes Conference or want more, Angela Bonet at Labor Notes just published an article titled 2022 Labor Notes, a special movement for a special moment for the labor movement, which quoted extensively from our interview with Kim Kelly and Isaiah Thomas while providing an excellent recap of the conference. Check that out. Hometown Organizing Project is conducting a free brake light clinic today, July 23rd in Tuskegee from 4 to 7 p.m. If you want to check that out, Bruise to Benefit, the Yellowhammer Fund, on Monday, July, it would be the 25th, 25th, from 3 to 9 p.m. at Straight to Ale Brewing in Huntsville, Alabama. Bruise to Benefit, the Yellowhammer Fund, which is a uh, an abortion fund. Um, in the state of Alabama, so you can go there if you want to raise money for them. The Free Automotive Repair and Service Project, hosted by the North Alabama School for Organizers, is going to be on August 14th from 9 to 3 at Knight's Village in Huntsville. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-899-TVLR. You can buy our new hat, pre-order our new shirt, or give us money on our website at tvlr.fm. Get those shirt pre-orders in, y'all. Get the shirt pre-orders in for sure. Actually, and let's throw let's throw the shirt up on the uh, on, on the site so people can hear it. Everybody is familiar with the "Go to Church or the Devil Will Get You" sign. We got a shirt outright uh, that, that's available for pre-order right now in whatever color you want, basically that says "Join a Union or the Boss Will Get You," which is very cool, very specific <laughs> for Alabama Union members, um, and and it's been very popular. Uh, and so go ahead and find us online where we're going to be talking to Connor Lewis about Matt Taibbi's bad take on the World Socialist website. We're going to be talking about uh, Tim Pool fans' response to our critique of him. And we're going to be talking to David Griscom about the limits of liberal climate policy. The limits of liberal climate policy. Um, which may be more than you would think. So go ahead, check us out online, The Valley Labor Report, wherever you find anything, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, TikTok. We'll see you next week. All power to the workers. You'll find overtime in your podcast feed on Thursday.